Welcome to Scanner School. This is session 147. Now, again, all the notes from today's podcast can be found on our website at scannerschool.com slash session 147. Before we start this week's podcast, I'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters. Patreon is a month-to-month sponsorship platform. We have three different support tiers, each with different benefits. But the most valuable tier is our $5 a month tier. This equates to sponsoring the podcast for about a dollar per episode. Now, not only do our $5 Patreon supporters receive the podcast early, but they also receive a commercial-free version of the podcast delivered directly to their podcast player. Some may say that the included squelchy sticker pack that is mailed to your home is the best benefit of the $5 level, but I think it's the community or the club that is growing at this level. You see, we meet once a month on Zoom, and we have a roundtable discussion about scanning, ask questions, offer advice. Some of the members are answering other people's questions, and we just talk with our fellow scanner school classmates. This is an exclusive group for our $5 Patreon members. Now, again, if all this wasn't enough at that level, you'll also receive discounts to upcoming Scanner School courses and offerings. Now, you can help support Scanner School by going to www.scannerschool.com slash Patreon or www.scannerschool.com slash support. Now, I'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters at all levels, and they are Buzz Gold, Chris Parrish, Craig Harper, Dan, Ed Walsh, Eddie Kay, Edward Dufour, Glenn Bryden, Guy Lee, James Felling, James Peruta, Jeff Block, Jenny Taylor, Jim Heinrich, John Goldenberg, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Mark Thompson, Mark Beebe, Michael Kroger, Paul Thiel, Raymond Hill, Richard Armstrong, Ronnie Bach, Sal Marandola, Signals Everywhere, Tim Mazza, and William Arcand. Now let's start the podcast. Welcome to The Scanner School a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. Welcome to Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and my amateur radio call sign is W2LIE. Now, if this is your first week joining us for class or your weekly listener, welcome to this week's podcast. Now, before we go any further, I want to ask you to please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We have some really good episodes in the works right now to wrap up the end of the year. And again, if you subscribe to the podcast, the podcast will be automatically pushed to your device every week it's released. Now, if you don't have a podcast device and you listen to the computer, that's fine. Just go to scannerschool.com and click on the newsletter link on the front page, and we will email you every week when a new podcast comes out. And even if you have a podcast player, sign up for the newsletter because we also will be sending you some tips and tricks in the near future. Now, today we are joined by Chuck Geisy. Now, Chuck last joined us on the podcast on session 94 to talk about his publication, National Communications Magazine. Well, this week, Chuck is here to talk about another great website, Ham Radio Prep. Now, Ham Radio Prep is a website with courses, and a great community to help you pass your technician, general, and extra class licenses here in the United States. And the extra class license has just been released. We are timing this podcast perfectly. They just came out with the extra class, and I am itching to sign up and take it. So that's why I'm having Chuck on the podcast. And again, why as a scanner radio podcast, we talk about amateur radio. I try to draw the line on it, but Chuck will explain why he's here, basically, and why ham radio prep is in existence. And I think it really ties in well to the scanner radio hobby. Now, a lot of us, too, who are into scanner radios, find our way into amateur radio. 
I've been talking to a lot of you, and you also find that taking the test is kind of a barrier between listening and getting on the air. And again, Chuck is here to explain how easy this process can be. And if you use a website like Ham Radio Prep, you're going to have no problems passing your test. Now, again, we have a affiliate code here, scannerschool.com slash ham radio prep. That's too big for you. You go to scannerschool.com slash HRP. Now, again, we'll put a link to those in the session notes. But if you use one of those two links, it's a great way to say to me, thank you for having Chuck on the podcast because I'll earn a very small affiliate link if you use those links to purchase the course from Ham Radio Prep. So at this time, I'd like to welcome back Chuck Geisey to the podcast. Chuck, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here again. It's, it's a great to have you back again. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me once again. No, not a problem. So if anybody missed out, you were on session 94 of the podcast where you talked about your magazine, National Communications Magazine. But for anybody who missed that podcast, why don't you go ahead and, and uh, let us know who you are. And if you'd like, talk really quickly about National Communications Magazine before we get into uh, Ham Radio Prep. You bet. Uh, National Communications Magazine has been around since 1988. That's when we consider our start in the business. So we're now officially the longest published hobby radio magazine that's been literally, you know, out there. We come out every other month and we have subscribers not only around the uh, country and, and the continent, but around the world as well. People want to know what's going on in the United States in terms of hobby radio. We cover uh, scanners. We cover the hobby radio services, uh, especially CB, as well as GMRS, FRS, and MERS. And uh, you kind of get into a little bit of the two-way radio end of things, mainly because that's what Scanner listeners listen to. So all kinds of different things. Uh, but, you know, our, our focus is uh, on scanners, CB radios, and um, the, the uh, personal radio services more than anything. And we really keep that as our niche because no one else is doing that so we do it and we try and do it well and like i said we're in our um 30 plus to 32 years now we've been publishing and uh, that really goes longer than any other publications that have uh done us done the same thing and we're going strong so we uh continue to do that and we have a good audience we have um uh, good writers and it's it's been a great run and uh we continue to do that and looking forward to quite a few more years um, that the magazine can continue to serve the hobby radio listener. Yep, and as a as a reader and subscriber, it's definitely well worth uh, what you pay for the magazine. It's it's well written and uh, a lot of good articles in there, and also a good lot of pictures and some throwback stuff in there too. So it's definitely definitely good that you keep that going. But what about you? What got you started in your your scanner radio uh, hobby? Oh, wow. You know, I, I probably should talk about radio in general. Scanner is probably where it got me into radio at the very beginning. My dad used to had was a volunteer firefighter, and he had the, wasn't he, it was something even before Plectrons came out. can't remember the type of alerting receiver it was. I remember sitting in our dining room, and of course, every time it went off, you'd run to see where the fire was, because that was the way that that information got channeled into our household, and then alerted my dad. And of course, you know, you got Plectrons like that. But then we finally brought a scanner into the house, an old Regency crystal scanner. One of the, I think it was the uh, modern radio high-low, if I recollect the, the model number. And I think it had eight or 10 channels in it. And, we, you know, we kept an ear on everything going on in the in the community and the surrounding community. And was always interested in that. And 
one point, my dad brought home a, a Halicrafters S95 receiver. Now, that thing was an old VHF um, receiver that tuned uh, like 150 to 170 megahertz. And he had that set up on his dresser in his bedroom. And he had that zeroed right in on the fire frequency. So, you know, it's an old tube set. And as the tubes warmed up, you could kind of, the frequency varied on you. So if, if there was a fire, you had to kind of, tune it around just to make sure you're still on frequency. And, uh, of course, there are some other services we used to listen to. The uh, the uh, Turnpike State Police Communications uh, were also on VHF, and they just came booming in because we lived down the street from one of their towers. And uh, it was always fun. And, and that kind of got me bitten. And uh, as I got older, I uh, got involved with emergency services myself and around the rescue squad. I got into um, buying scanners and uh so that got me into scanning hobby along the way. I also got into CB radio and along the ways I got into ham radio. So, I mean, I've done about everything. I've, I've been on GMRS for a long time. In fact, I just did the research yesterday and I have the 10th oldest GMRS license in the country. So, I mean, I've, I've been in that hobby for a long time and, or I should say the 10th oldest individual license. It's actually the 23rd oldest GMRS license because there are some, grandfather licenses that are issued to um, governments and businesses and some uh, some clubs and they they've been able to grant keep those licenses although they're only allowed to use certain frequencies they can't use all the GMRS frequencies because that's the way that that system works for them but uh, so yeah, I've, I've been involved in just about every aspect of uh, radio and enjoy it it's it's uh, certainly something that's I've turned into an, an avocation I guess you know, with the the magazine uh, taking that over and, and having written in the past for most uh, magazine titles, uh, including Popular Communications, Monitoring Times, uh, CQ, um, uh, 73 Magazine. I, yeah, I've written for those on the past, uh, QST, and have enjoyed doing that. So I blend those together with my talents as a writer and editor and my experience as a radio communications hobbyist. And I've been able to blend that together. So it, it it's a lot of fun and it's something that, you know, I, I probably will not get out of, you know, I have a day job, I work in the media, but you know, I come home and I, I shouldn't say come home. I work from home. So I just, I get up out of the chair, come <laughs> back to the hats. chair. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. <laughs> so you know how it is. You, you, uh, yeah. and, and you just, you go back to doing what you love and, and that's what I love. And, and hopefully that's, uh, where I can focus at some point in my life for until I can anymore. Excellent. So it sounds like you're, you've got it really, uh, really part of your, your, your blood and your background, like a lot of us have. So yeah. you, you did touch on ham radio, which is exactly why we're here today to talk about right. a online service called ham radio prep. So can you tell us a little bit about what ham radio prep is? And yeah, just, just, just let us know what, what, what exactly that is. Exactly. Uh, ham radio prep was started in 2017 by a, a couple of uh, business people who were interested in, in, uh, who, who got licensed actually, uh, the, you know, they saw the hurricanes that were, um, causing a lot of damage in, in many parts of the United States. And, uh, they saw amateur radio as a way to communicate when you can't, you know, cell systems are down, et cetera. And they realized that really, that the general populace needed to engage with and and become licensed to be still communicate when commercial systems are down and just don't work so they put together this system 
And it works because there have been thousands and thousands of students who have taken the classes online. It's all online through a website. And they have gotten licensed to date as um, technician and general class licenses. And, and there's a lot of them that just go for both of them at the same time. You know, it's just great system that's been uh, put together and you know, they, they created this system and it works. So we're soon to be going to come out with the uh, extra new extra ex- exam as well. That test, the new test pool just went into effect on July 1st. We're still pulling that together and, and hope to have that ready in s- September as this comes out. And so we're really working on a lot of different things, a lot of different times. We also have a um, very interesting course that's come along the way in the past um, half year or so called Baofeng Basics. And this is a course that's mainly made for new amateur radio licensees. A lot of new hams have that Baofeng UV5R. It's 25 bucks or, or less, or maybe a little more, depending where you buy it. And you want to be able to use that thing to get on the air and be able to have a QSO. And one of the things is, is that you know, there's, there's detractors about that radio, but for the most part, there's not a whole lot wrong with it. So we created a course that teaches new hams how to program that radio by hand. We're not using Chirp. We're not using any you know, manufacturer software. We're using the hand to program it, make it real easy and basic. Because if you can program that radio by hand, uh, you build and program a simplex channel for an emergency operations or whatever else. So that's the root of it. So you program the radio by hand, you change the settings on it, you put the tone in that you need, find your local repeater through um, repeater book and get on the air. And then we also tell you how to make that first call on, on a repeater to um, try and find hams, try how to get on simplex, you know, how to, what frequency to use, 146.52, 446.0, whatever, and to get on there and communicate and use that new license because a lot of times new hams, they get that license and then they have this radio in front of them and say, well, I don't know what to do. How, how do I get this thing programmed? Or they get stage fright. And so what mm-hmm. we did is we, we put that course together to tell you What's the expectation? So you identify on the repeater. Yeah, you're probably not going to get somebody to come back to you because, you know, that's just the way it works these days. You know, there's a time way back where you, you put out a call on a repeater and you probably have three people come back to you. Today, everybody's busy. They're going here or there. That may not happen. So you got to be persistent, you know, get on the air and, and continue to put that call out. Sooner or later, someone's going to say, oh, let's, let's talk to that guy. Uh, you know, so we put together that course. And that's that's one of the cool things we've done this year. And it's uh, had a lot of people who've had success with it and be able to get on the air and have that first conversation on the air and and be successful as a new amateur radio licensing. Nice. So you're saying it's an online, basically, it's it's a course, right? So there's video content that comes along with it. Is that how it works? Oh, we yeah. We have um, a system that teaches the text, of course. You, you can't get away from the text. And what we've done is... We put the information in there in a certain way that you can see what the correct answers are. So you're going to focus primarily on knowing what those correct answers are on the exam. We, you know, because we've gone through and and have taken that information from the exams and and focused on the right answers and and telling you what the right answers are and, and maybe some additional information why they're the right answer. So we have that information in there as most 
do, but we also have some, mm -hmm. some fun things on there. We have videos and the videos help explain some basic concepts to help you understand them. And you can play those videos over and over again until, you know, you, you got to figure it out. We have some games in there where you match things up perhaps. And, you know, we also have um, virtual flashcards to help you uh, understand some concepts as well. So there's a lot of interactivity, something mm -hmm. that hasn't been done in the teaching of amateur radio in the past that we've been able to pull together. And it's been very successful. Nice. Yeah, because I remember when I was doing uh, many, many years ago, we did a technician's class and, you know, it was, it was DOS based, but you had a copy of, of the test. So the test pools and you would just take the test and, you, you know, go through the test and it would tell you what the right answer was. And then when I did my general, same deal, you just do it online, question pool and, and a test. So, I mean, I'm assuming that Hammer Your Prep also allows you to do that, right? You take practice exams, it'll tell you how well you're doing on it. And when you finally get to a certain percentage, you should feel comfortable going into a VE session, right? And then taking your ham radio test, correct? Exactly. Yeah. We have, um, as you're going along through each chapter, and the chapters are pretty much based on uh, how the, the test or the test structure is, the tests are structured in terms of sections. And you can take a, a test for each chapter and, and see if you're getting the concepts in that chapter. And you can continue to take it and, and uh, see how you do. And those questions are rotated in and out. And then at the end, we have the what we call the final exam. And the final exam is, it does a couple of things that hasn't always necessarily been done before, is that we take the test pool. And the test pool, you know, when you go into an FCC exam, whether it's uh, online or a, a local radio club that's administering that exam, you know that there's going to be three questions from this section, there's going to be two questions from this section, there's going to be four questions from this section, whatever. So we've structured that so that when you take our online final exam, you're going to get that two questions from here, three questions here, out of the question pool. So while there's only going to be 50 questions on your, or 35 questions on your um, technician or general test that you take in the real one and also online with us, you're going to see those same questions in proportion come into the exam so that you get a good idea what that test is going to be like. The more times you take that final exam, the more likely you're going to see all the questions that are in that test pool because they you know, keep rotating through that. So it makes it, I, some people can go in there and take the test several times and, and they're uh, convinced they understand the process. We recommend that you get a test score of at least 85% before you go to your test session, your real test session with the with an FCC exam, because you need to have a 74% on any amateur radio exam to pass. So we recommend you do at least 85%. That way you get, you're, you're comfortable, you feel you know the material, you've proven it uh, time and time again. Some people, they may do it a dozen times, they may do it a couple dozen times, you know, that final exam, so they, they see all those questions come in and say, hey, I think I've seen them all now, I, I feel comfortable with it, and I know why I got that one wrong, it's, you know, and I can go back and look at it and, and focus on that and try and learn why I need to get that answer right because the answer is this way. So, yeah, we, we've done a lot of that work, and it works real well. That final exam has worked really well for preparing our students for that FCC exam. Excellent. I think I got my questions out of order, too. We probably went too, too in deep on the system, but let's let's back out just a little bit here. So, so ham radio prep is, again, 
prepping you for getting your amateur license here in the U.S.? Is it just for the United States, or do you have uh, Canada or anything else like that, or is it just, yeah, just it's, local U.S.? It's just the United States, yeah. Okay. And again, right now, you've got the technician class, you've got the general class, and then you guys are coming out with the extra class. And those are the only three classes that are available here in the U.S., right, for license. There's no more, just, right, just, I mean, I, there's no more technician, there's no more code requirement, and there's no no uh, advanced class anymore. So it's just the three classes to get you in. And to have the most amount of fun, though, to get on the VHF repeaters and UHF repeaters, and uh, if, you, if you're bold enough to do CW or Morse code, I mean, there's 10 meters, but the technician's class is really – that's your gateway in, right? That's that's really all you need to focus on just to get yourself onto uh, amateur radio here in the States. You're right. One time the novice license was the uh, gateway to getting on. Way back when, at one time, mm-hmm. the novice license you could only hold for two years before you had actually had, they forced you to move on, you know, and, and, and to, they had a number of different classes at that time, you know, it was conditional and then general, depending whether you live near a, a test or near an FCC office or not. And then there's also was an advanced license at one time that actually fell between the general and the extra. Now there's just the three classes, as you mentioned. There's a technician, which basically gives you all the VHF and UHF privileges from 50 megahertz all the way up to, uh, you know, super high frequencies, you know, microwaves. The general, and it also gives you some HF privileges as well. I mean, you can get on voice on, right. on 10 meters and operate some CW down there as well and have some fun on HF. That's one thing that was technicians in the past didn't have access to but when the code requirement was eliminated from all amateur radio license testing that certainly opened that up to uh allowing technicians to operate on the hf bands and you know so right. then i thought technicians move. only uh didn't technicians only have cw rights on hf or do they have voice rights on it now you know it's it's kind of i i don't know the total history off the top of my head, but, you know, the uh, technicians have a a number of different privileges on HF, different bands. The, um, in the past technician was basically just VHF and UHF. And then they added, um, in fact, there was actually a couple different classes of technician license at one time. If you, yes. you want to get yes. that, we we had the we had the technician, <laughs> yep. no, who, no code tech, <laughs> right? And then we had tech plus, and those were right. I I was a tech plus at one time because I came in as a novice, had the CW, and right. so when I became a tech, I became a, a a tech plus at one time, and actually was able to go from tech plus to general by just walking into a test session and filling out some paperwork because I had right. everything that allowed me to become a general. So, so yeah. So, I mean, the, the licensing structure has changed through oh, the years a lot and there's no sign that it's not going to change any, I mean, there's no sign saying that yeah. there's, it's still change at some point, you know, right. Uh, exactly. Still, but it's funny you, already about it. It's funny you bring all that up too. Cause I, I came in as, you know, I did the novice tech with the no code. I mean, so the novice license with a no code tech, that's how I got into it. My brother did the novice with the five words a minute. So he then became a tech plus and my dad was licensed for so long that he went from being a tech plus. And when they said, Oh yeah, you can great get grandfathered into general. He just went and got grandfathered into general. So it's uh, I think every one of us got some sort of different route in <laughs> from, from everything. So, uh, it is fun though. I mean, it's it's definitely a great hobby to be into. And so let's let's talk about the process here too. So you you take the the online exams. You've gone through the the ham radio prep course. You've done the videos. You've done the the gamification side of it, right? Which is great because it's all helping you solidify and memorize 
the the laws and and I mean there's there's basic calculations that are involved here, right? And it's 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 pretty simple math, but you, you know how how to measure a dipole and how to figure out the wavelength of something. It's 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 nothing crazy when it comes to to the math, but a lot of the technician side is all learning the rules and regulations and the rules and regulations they don't change. As long as you've got that ironed out, you're kind of good to go and take the test. So now you're ready. You've you've gotten like you recommend 85% on the test. It's 75% to pass, whatever it is. How do you get now licensed? Where do you go to actually take the test? You had mentioned something before that it's available online. I guess that's now a COVID thing or, I mean, just so that people understand, I mean, what's the best way to find where the local tests are? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you if you were asking me this question back in January, I'd say, well, yeah, you have to find a local amateur radio club to take your tests on in site on site, and uh, you know, find a test session, sign up for it, and show up on test day, and and bring your number two pencils, etc. Back because of uh, the end of January, going into February, and in March as well, the COVID situation created a real problem. One of the things that we found out with Ham Radio Prep is we were offering the course and a lot of people were stuck home, had nothing to do, and they wanted to become an amateur radio operator because one, they and they could study. Number two, they felt that they could be available to help in different ways, especially now that we have this huge pandemic that's hit the United States. One of the things we looked at was our, the numbers that came into the course just soared. And it was just amazing. So we, we we took a look at a time period from March 5th to 13th this year and compared it to the same days in, in the, the previous year in 2019. And the number of persons signing up to study for the technician class license on our website at hamradioprep.com soared 700 percent, 700 percent. At the same time. Yeah, it, it is insane. And, and we were just inundated with people wanting to to learn, the FCC was actually showing a 15% uptick in the technician licenses during the first two months of 2020 compared to the first two months of 2019. So, and daily numbers continued to show an increase. So, and, but the problem was, is that test sites were shutting down. The local amateur radio club said, hey, we don't want to have any problems with people getting COVID-19 coming out to our test sites. We, we, we can't handle it. We don't have the guidelines in place to be able to do it. But then again, there are some clubs that took a novel approach. And I, I know of um, a number of clubs that have done them in parking lots. You know, you, you go to your car gotcha. and yep. you're handed the test and the club members or the, the volunteer examiners They'll walk around, just keep an eye on everybody, just like they would at a, a test site in a classroom or whatever, or an auditorium. And they were being unique in that regard. Some of them had just outside test sessions on the, the county uh, courthouse grounds or whatever. I mean, there's, there were all kinds of things. But the problem was, is that online needed to be where it had to go. And so mm -hmm. there were, there actually was a system based on one VE volunteer examiner coordinator rather that was doing basically what amounted to online what they called remote testing and that involved having a proctor present at the when you take the test and that proctor could be like a government official i think like a college professor different you know types of um requirements for who that person would be and they would sit there and literally watch you take the test 
And there would also be a video connection to make sure mm -hmm. everything was going well, you know, with the, the VECs or the VEs participating in, in that exam. And that worked out, but they were inundated. They were just totally inundated. So the FCC came out and said, you know what? There's nothing in the rules that say online testing is prohibited. Go for it. <laughs> so the VEs... Nice. The VECs were scrambling to try and get systems online to be able to handle this, and they did. And now what you do is you can – it's funny because while there is online testing, it's, it's sometimes a little tricky to get into a test session because they, there is a huge demand for these test slots. We recently did some exit polling from those who were taking their exams, and tried to get an idea of are people going to test sites or just starting to open up again or were they really jumping on these online test sessions because we saw a lot of people were getting their tests taken online and and you know telling others about it but some exit data that we had from our people who were successful in getting licensed showed us that one out of four were actually taking their tests online, that means three out of four were still going to test sites, taking their tests. Mm -hmm. So kind of interesting that while the online test sessions were available, a lot of them were still going to the traditional on-site test sessions. So, but the, the thing about the uh, online, whether it involves like a proctor setup, like one VEC requires, most of them just require video cameras. The, uh, one of the things is that they may ask you to take a, a camera and just show them what your room looks like. Make sure you don't have, you know, notes stuck up on the ceiling or whatever, you know, to cheat on mm -hmm. the test. Make sure, you know, everything's clean in front of you so you don't have anything that can um, cause any problems as far as the integrity of the test session. And then they also keep a camera on you during the test session as well and make sure, you know, that everything goes well. And there's usually three VEs, and, and they, they multitask. Um, there'll be VEs that be watching multiple number of, of examinees, and they can, you know, kind of rotate between them or just have, just like Zoom, you know, you have a bunch of people up on your screen that can do the same thing with those being tested and kind of keep an eye on people. And that keeps things going. They can get people tested with a minimal effort. And, and for some of them, they take their tests and they get their certificate saying they pass like instantly. They just all I have to do is print it out from their computer after they take it. And some of them are actually getting their licenses within 24 hours. That's just mind boggling. Wow. You know, you, you'd never have to wait before. in the mail. Yeah, you still yeah, wait for it in the mail. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, it's just, it's, you know, it's just um, crazy that you can get a, get a, license within 24 hours now and, 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 and get on the air. So, I mean, you know, right. it's, it's just it's incredible. So I mean, you have to check right online. There. Yeah, right. exactly. So, but yeah, so there is um, testing that's allowed online now and or remote as well as a test sessions. And, and not everybody is, um, not all the clubs have uh, started back up their test sessions again, but you know, they're, they're getting there and, and setting guidelines. And like I said, the VECs, uh, who coordinate the uh, local clubs and also offer the online sessions, they've had to figure out how to do this, you know, in a pinch and uh, they're constantly refining that process. So um, 
people who want to take their tests online, whether it's because there are no local test sessions, they, they live in a very rural area that they, they can't get to a test session. I mean, there's a lot of good reasons for having that. And the pandemic, obviously, is, a, is another one, which is why the FCC came out and issued the statement saying that, you know, hey, it's, there's nothing that prohibits us. So it's, it's a good opportunity for people to get licensed now and, and, and get on the air. Right. So to find a local testing, right, we go to ARRL.org and it will give us the, the local VE sessions that are going on. Is, this, is it the same thing with uh, the virtual sessions or is there another location to uh, go online and try and find those? Yeah. The, actually, um, you kind of need to look at all the different VEs or VECs out there and see because not every club is with connected with the ARRL, for instance, there may be W5YI or some of the other organizations that may have uh, local VEs in their club who are attached to the different VECs. So you may have to do a little um, snooping around, finding out, you know, if you go to the, um, I believe the the NCVEC is the National Conference of Volunteer Examiner Coordinator, they're at ncvec.org. They, pro- I'm pretty sure they have a list of um all the uh, VECs on there with their websites. And you can click on each of those and find out if they're reporting local test sessions on there as well. The ARRL is definitely one that is one that catalogs that information and, and has that information available. But we also have some, a listing on our website that shows some of the, uh, online organization or some of the organizations are doing it online with links to their websites so you can schedule uh, an online session to get tested so it like i said it's it's a lot of it's in its infancy and you know we're, we've been updating our site and and i know uh, as the uh, local test sessions are coming back online the there's a, a demand to get that information up and updated online as well Did you know there are ways to help support the Scanner School podcast that doesn't take any time or any extra money on your part? If you go to scannerschool.com slash support, you will find we have several ways that you can continue to do your online shopping and help support us. We have links to Amazon. If you click on our link before you go to Amazon, anything you buy from there will help support Scanner School. Now, if you're in a market for a brand new scanner, an antenna, other accessories, we have links to Scanner Master, where you can not only purchase a scanner and accessories, but you can also get your radio programmed. And by clicking on our link before you buy, you are helping to support the podcast. Now, if you're in a market for software, we have links to Butel. And if you want something new to you, we also have links to eBay. Again, just go to scannerschool.com support before you make your purchases and you are helping to support Scanner School at no additional cost to you. This session of Scanner School is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. Now, East Coast Pagers is one of my online companies, and we are a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealers serving the North American market. Now, if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, we can get you a quote at the very best prices. So why does a company like East Coast Pagers support Scanner School? I think that every Scanner Radio user should at least 
put one pager in their collection of radios. The reason why is very simple. It frees up your scanner to just do scanning, and then you have one radio that's dedicated to your local fire activity. Now, with a pager, you can have voice storage. You can do tone outs. You can keep it silent. You can go back the next day and listen to what you've missed overnight. It's more than you can do with an out-of-the-box scanner. And with today's pagers, having multiple frequencies and even having multiple channels in a scan list, like the Unication G1 can do eight channels in a scan list. It has 64 memory channels, and out of the box, it comes with 11 minutes of stored voice and a desktop charger. The G2s to G5s, they do P25 Phase 1 and Phase 2 in simulcast environments with stored voice, paging on conventional NP25. Oh, and they're upgradable too to DMR Type 1 and Type 2. They are more rugged than today's consumer-based scanners. And with a pager like a Swiss phone S-Quad, you won't even realize you're wearing one. It'll help keep you informed as to what's going on in your neighborhood. So again, eastcoastpagers.com or contact me directly, Phil at eastcoastpagers.com. Do you have a new scanner? You're having problems understanding how it works? Maybe you're new to the entire Home Patrol database of programming and you can't figure out Sentinel. Did you get a new SDR and you're trying to figure out how to install it or you want to learn how to use Unitrunker, DSD+, maybe set up a Pioware, or even just make some changes and you don't understand how this system and the equipment works? The podcast might be great for you, but Maybe you need a little bit more of one-on-one help with setting something up. I'm available to do just that with you with our private tutoring sessions. You can book me online by going to scannerschool.com slash consulting for a one-hour session. And it's great because we can actually share computer screens remotely, and I can guide you through step-by-step as if I was sitting right next to you. So again, book me for an hour at scannerschool.com slash consulting for your scanner radio one-on-one tutoring session. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues too. So visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issues and sign up today. That's natcommag.com for National Communications Magazine. How long does it usually take the typical person to go through the course? I mean, I know background is going to be a whole factor in this, but the average time when somebody signs up on your website and they take the first module, do you know how long it typically takes them to get to the end of the course? Is it a two-week course? Is it a week course? I mean, what do you, what do you average out as far as time frame? Yeah, you know, uh, I a technician I, class. We we get people that ask us that question, and and you know the 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 best answer is uh, your mileage may vary, <laughs> because you know it it really depends on how much time you can give it, how well you can absorb that information, whether you encounter difficulties as you go along, you you have to try and figure some components out as far as uh, you may know, for instance, you know FCC regulations and stuff, because a lot of it's common sense. But you may get stuck on, you know, some math or, you know, some electronic theory and stuff, and you need to really review that information. So it really depends on the individual. It's hard to put a, um, a number on it and say, well, you're going to get your license if they're studying on our website for 10 hours. Well, yeah, some people can do it in 10 hours. There are some people who literally, they go on there, they pay for it Friday night, and Monday they're taking their tests online. 
I mean, you know, it's, it just depends on the individual. So there, you can't really put a number on it. It just depends. Some people can uh, absorb the information better than others and retain it. Others struggle with it. Uh, we were helping out one individual actually who's having some difficulty trying to retain that information. He, he kept getting, he wanted to get above uh, the 74. Obviously you need to pass and, you know, I can tell him you need to get like an 85 to really get up there. And, you know, he's, he's every time he took the, the final exam, he just got a little bit closer to that. So I said, well, you just got to keep doing it, you know, man, you know, right. you keep sooner or later, you're going to be there. It's just a matter of repetition and, and putting the time forward and, and, we have a great support group. We have a, a Facebook group for our students, and what a great support group we have in there because uh, people come in there and say, hey, I'm having trouble with this concept, or man, I'm getting frustrated. I'm never going to be able to do this. And you'll have like a bunch of other students or, and even graduates who've gotten licensed who come in there and say, well, you ought to try this. And they say, great, I didn't even think of that. So, you know, it's it's a great opportunity. We, we created that support group um, just a couple months ago, and it's been great for our students to, to kind of collaborate with others and, and find different ways to um, make it happen. Excellent. So it's definitely a self self-based learning course so there's no rush through it like it's not going to expire in a week or something like that so you could take it as you need it and it's also not dripped so if you're a lot faster learner you can take it as fast as you require as well just as a thought as you were talking here about with the course and the facebook group and everything else it kind of had me thinking because you were saying earlier that some people are nervous getting on the air or they have a hard time you know getting somebody to respond back to them and i was wondering is is echolink still something that's being used and if so would it make sense to have a ham radio prep echo link channel where people can come in they can practice talking as if it was a radio and get used to it that way as well this way when they take this the slide over from sitting in front of the computer and talking again using all the ham radio terms and everything else and iding every 10 minutes and then you get a little bit more practice and you can go actually onto the air if somebody's nervous about that as well so i didn't know maybe that might be something uh that i could add <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great idea because you, you can get on Echo Link, obviously, and, and it's still very much a system that's out there and still being added to repeaters and and as simplex as well. And you can get on there and, and have a conversation. I've, I've used it myself, sat there with my phone, got bored one night, and you know, you jump yep. on a repeater in Hawaii <laughs> or whatever and have a, a QSO and, and have some fun with that. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there are some channels that I believe don't go out over the air on uh, Echo Link. So yeah, that would be uh, real valid. It's certainly something we could probably take a look at. And uh, if not, it's, it's real easy probably to set up something like that. And, and uh, that would be great. Excellent. Yeah, if anybody doesn't realize too, Echolink is basically a voice over IP voice chat. So it's like like Zello or Discord or something like that. We've got a bunch of different groups and you can use your computer, or your smartphone to talk to other people on there. The difference though with Echolink is you sometimes or most of the times it's meant to link repeaters. So you can come in, say on one repeater on RF, it'll have a Echolink tunnel and you'd come out on another repeater or you come out on a network of, of repeaters or you can be on your cell phone or your computer and come out on an RF path. So you know, if you didn't get to buy a radio yet or like you said, Chuck, just so there, if you want to go to Hawaii for the weekend, you can virtually go to Hawaii, talk to the locals there. And then at the end of the weekend, you just got your link and then you can take a trip over to the UK or something like that. And you could talk that way. <laughs> so. Right. The only requirement is you have to be a licensed amateur radio operator to use exactly. that. Exactly. And you have to prove that yep. you have the license. So, yeah. 
Right, and all all amateur license uh, rules apply while you're on Eclic as well. I remember that being part of like, well, do I have to have the ID every ten minutes? I mean, I'm not really on the air, but yeah, it's it's an amateur platform, so you should practice all amateur guidelines while you're on there. So, uh, and again, not not all the channels are come out on RF because I know there's the uh, the hurricane net that runs, and they're strictly on Echolink, and then there's also I think there's some that come in off of RF, but then are piped into Echolinks. I know there was a NASA channel in there as well that I used to listen to. So Echolink is very interesting. So if you're an amateur operator and you haven't yet played around with Echolink, definitely give it a try. And again, if you're a scanner radio user who's shy about getting on the air or you have a license, you haven't used it, you know, Echolink is a great way to, to kind of break the ice on that as well. So, so we talked about how, how you go through the course, right? It's a course, it's, it's, it's games, it's memorization. And again, I think I've told the story before in the past, but my mom passed her technician class by sitting in front of the computer and memorizing question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. I mean, to some people that is, that's taboo, right? That's the wrong way to get on the air. But for my mom, it worked because that's, that's how she did it. So if you worry about absorbing the information if you can memorize a question and an answer and again the the questions are jumbled when you take your actual test and the math questions have different values in it but you can you can learn the material and you can pass the test by by repetition and my wife who has zero background in anything electronics she has a hard time even using her smartphone and every time she turns on her computer she calls me in to help her because she can't get on the wi-fi or she can't figure out how right. google's not working or but yet i sat her down in front of the computer and she took the test and took it as a challenge and you know within a week you know she was getting herself used to the question answer question answer and she walked in and again just like you can tell when you go in there and you take a test and you could tell the people that did that because they're the ones that get the test and five minutes later, they're the first ones to submit it and get the handshake and says, okay, congratulations, you passed. And there's other guys in the room are going, how did they take the test so quick? Because you know, they weren't, they just studied question, answer, question, answer. Right. So it is, it is entirely possible to go through it that way. But again, going through the ham radio prep course, so you still need to have that basic knowledge. You still need to know what you're looking at there. And, you know, the moral of this one is if you go through the material and you do find it to be a little bit over your head, right, you're just not making that connection, it doesn't hurt to take those tests at the end because you, you still need that background. You still need to kind of know why. If you're going to be on the air and you can be on the air seriously, what the wavelengths are and, you know, is, well, am I on two meters? Am I on 70 centimeters? Well, you're going to, you're going to learn that in your course. What's with the ionosphere? How come things work better in the day or in the night? Again, that's technician-based or general-based uh, tests for you right there. Sunspot sunspot cycles and that kind of stuff. Again, general-based. But the laws, right? IDing every 10 minutes, you're going to find that in a technician's class. And you have to know that in order to get on the air. You have to know what bands you're allowed to be on. You have to know what power you're allowed to use on certain bands. These are all things that are part of the rules and regulations. And, of course, you need to know the baseline rules and regulations to get on the air. And again, taking a course like this, I studied it from a book and it was extremely dry. It was extremely boring. And guess who didn't pass the test the first time he took it? Me, because it was just, you know, it, it was, it was 
terrible reading it from a, from a book. So to have it now where you guys have it online, where a lot of things are online, people are more comfortable these days studying and taking online courses because I even through work, I mean, everything we, we learn now is an online course. So it just makes sense that that you guys brought the amateur radio part of this into it and allowing a lot of people who would think that amateur radio is something that was always neat. They want to get into, but didn't realize how simple it would be to take the test is now available, right? It's tangible. And you said before using the, the Baofeng, a $25, $35 radio. A lot of us as scanner radio users are buying these because it's an easy entry point into the market. Is it the best entry point to a scanner radio market? That's, that's completely debatable. But if you have this, HT that can transmit. And again, you have a course that goes through how to set it up, how to use the keypad on it, how to enter a repeater, an offset, you know, the transmit frequency, the receive frequency, and the PL or DPL code. And that gets you to keep your first repeater. For $35, you're on the air. Whereas when I got my first radio, it was a dual band radio. I remember setting down, you know, over 400 bucks for this thing. And if I didn't like the hobby, forget it. I would have been out of luck with it. You know what I mean? So well, that's the point. I mean, exactly. You, you you get a taste of it, and it's it's your entry point radio. And mm -hmm. if if you have a lot of fun with it, you're going to want to move up. You know, you may move on to uh, something that maybe offers a digital mode or something, and or gives you more channels, or it gives you some more bells and whistles that the uh, basic Balfang doesn't offer you. So it, another thing you mentioned too was the fact that. When you're taking your exam, it's very possible that there's some part that you just can't get your hands around. But you can ace everything else. You may just be mm -hmm. bad at math. You may just cannot do math. You cannot understand math. And you're just not going to pass the math part. Well, you know what? You can miss on the technician and general exams. You can miss up to nine questions. So if you miss every math question on the test, you're still going to pass. You yep. know, that's the thing. So, I mean, you got to get your hands around what you can and focus on that. And if you just can't get one part of it and there's only like three questions that maybe are math related, or I, I can't, I don't know if the number off the top of my head, but and you can get around that and still pass. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you get 35 out of 35 questions right or you miss nine questions and you're still going to get a license. You know, that's the thing. Exactly. And, yeah. yeah. So it makes no difference. No, no one's, you're never going to get on the air and said, well, I get a hundred on my ham exam or I got three no. wrong. No one's going to ask you. Matter. No, they don't. Nobody they cares. Don't. <laughs> exactly. So, and, and the other thing too is while focus is on knowing the answers, basically, I mean, basically the, the test pool gives you all the answers. So you, you learn all those. And, but you know, the bottom line is, you're going to have on-the-air experience where you're going to learn. And that's mm -hmm. what ham radio is all about. You're going to get on the air. You're going to talk to people. You're going to learn by talking. You're going to find out that a Yagi antenna is going to get you in the repeater two counties away or whatever. You're going to learn that stuff by getting on the air. You know, So, sure, it's in the book. You, you learn that stuff or, or in the online course. You're going to learn that stuff. But getting on the air, is there's nothing replaces that so i mean right. if, you, if you do anything get licensed get on the air because you're going to learn so much more just by listening to the other hands you'll learn i mean that's the thing it's, it's exactly. definitely true yeah exactly and again too when you take the course the way you've got it structured it will also help you 
enhance your scanner radio hobby because you'll understand why things are a certain way and why there's 50 ohms and coax line that you look at for using LMR 400 as opposed to RG6 and why the impedance matters on it and why the antennas are polarized a certain way and, and, the, and the theory behind that. And again, you talked about the Yagi antenna and a dipole antenna. And, and so a lot of the stuff you take on your amateur radio test and going through the ham radio prep course will start to make things make sense now when you're looking at the scanner radio hobby. And, and even too, you know, why, why is my antenna work when I put it on the car, but it doesn't work when I put it on a piece of wood? Well, because it needs metal beneath that to be the second half of the antenna. And that's part of the theory in like the technician's class. So you kind of start realizing why things are the way they are. And it, it certainly will enhance your scanner radio hobby by going through the technician class. But again, too, a lot of us use, we listen to P25. We listen to DMR. Well, guess what? On amateur radio, there's P25 repeaters. There's DMR repeaters with DMR talk groups. There's NXDN machines all over the place as well. And as well as some pr proprietary like Yesu uh, uh, Fusion or ICOM's D-Star. But you can even make little hotspots out of Raspberry Pi. If that's your thing to tinker with stuff like that, you could make a little low-powered gateway that you transmit on your handheld radio. And again, it goes through your, your computer and it comes out of the local transmitter that's over here. And with D-Star, you can do that. Like, look, like with Echolink, there was the DVAP or the DVAP. And now they've got these, I forget the name, there's something, something, open spot three is the latest one that's out right. now. And again, you can transmit on DMR and come out on a NXDN repeater or a P25 repeater or a, a D-Star repeater. So you don't even need now to buy all these digital modes because somebody developed something that allows the protocols to change, which is really cool as well. So if you do have a, an interest in playing on digital modes, these are the digital modes we're talking about that you can get onto as a technician class license. When you get on as a, as a general and extra class, yeah, now you're talking digital modes such as FT8 and RIDI and, uh, of course, the original digital mode, right, Morse code. But right. uh, it is a huge hobby. It's ever-evolving. The radios out now have waterfall displays that look like SDRs, and you can they've got the digital, the DSP in there, so they sound crisp and more clear than ever. You don't really, I mean, it does help to have the giant Yagi antennas or the giant A3S antennas that are up there. I mean, mine's in pieces in my garage attic, and it's been there since the day I brought it home. But you don't need to worry about all these crazy things when it comes to being an amateur operator. And cost was always one of them. And again, today with the Baofeng, it's such a low cost of entry. It's great. So my last question to you, Chuck, is how much is the course when you want to take either the the technician, the general, or the extra class course through Ham Radio Prep? Sure, you bet. The uh, just for I want to go back real quick. I mean, one of the, the sure. things you raised is the fact that as an amateur radio operator, you get you obviously start with the technician license. And you may say, well, I can talk around, you know, VHF and UHF repeaters, you know, in my metro area or, you know, my, my community or whatever. But I want to talk around the world. Well, you know what? You can do that with your technician license. In fact, you can do that on, on DMR, for instance. You can use mm -hmm. digital radio and with a hotspot or even a local DMR repeater. I can sit here any night and talk halfway around the world to other hams. And I'm sitting here using a UHF radio with a half a watt into my hotspot. Now, there are purists who say that's not really ham radio. Well, there's RF on each end. So, I mean, it is still RF. But, you know, it's still fun. 
It's still fun, and that's the thing. I don't have right. to have a big fancy HF station, you know, the big antenna and tower. I can do that on a half watt. I can be driving down the road with a hot spot in my car, and and I've done this, and I'm sitting there talking around the world, literally from a half watt UHF handheld in my car. It doesn't get any better than that. No, it, it doesn't. And again, too, yeah. the, the 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 idea of it not being true because there's there's something in between the RF pads. That's been since repeaters were linked, right? You've had right. telephone backhauls and you've had microwave backhauls that, you know, it's how do you think repeaters got linked to begin with? <laughs> you know, I exactly. mean, yeah, they right. could have been linked over on a, on a 220 link or something like that. But for the most part, it could have been on pods lines. So uh, they just replaced the pods lines with plain old telephone uh, line with an IP connection and brought it out over the internet. So it's, it's the same. So for the purists, but I get exactly. it because to yeah. me, to me, once you throw a box in the way, it, it, to me, it, it really does take a little bit of the fun out of it. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. But that's the, that's my point of view on it. Yeah. But, so, so getting back to your, your original question, I, I just wanted yeah. to, get, to hit that. The uh, the cost we offer the technician course individually for twenty five dollars. The general course individually, if you already have a technician license, you can take the general course for twenty five dollars as well. Now, if you want to save a little bit of money and take both the technician and general course at the same time, or at least sign up for them both at the same time, we offer that in a bundle for $35. So you're going to save um, $15. So for an additional $10, you get the other course. Now, the advantage to that is when you're done studying for the technician test, you can slide right over and do the, the general course as well. Now, the, the other advantage is you can take I, I'm not so sure this is the case with online testing, but if you go to, a, to a, an on-site in-person test session, you can take both the technician and general and even the extra exam all at one test session, if you so desire, and only pay the test fee once. Now, most organizations charge $14, $15 to take that test for your amateur radio license. That's the only charge involved as far as you know testing goes. So you can literally go in there and take, you know, it's one, two or three tests and, and save money. I mean, you know, by taking them all at the same test session. So, and we have people that have gone in there and taken both the technician and general course at this or licensed tests at the same time and have saved that additional 14 or $15 and have passed both tests. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to do if you apply yourself. So there are people who literally go in there and do both. That's, that's why we offer the, the combo package, the, uh, Baofeng, Basics course that we offer, that's, uh, don't get any cheaper than this, folks. It's $10. The information in there is worth a lot more than $10, I hate to say, but there's a lot of good information in there, and a lot of our new licensees take that course after they've gotten their license. Now, the uh, the extra exam, we still haven't set the uh, final price for that. We will as soon as we release that online and, and should be uh, in September here, but just keep an eye on our website and that information will be posted as soon as it's released. You can sign up on our website at hamradioprep.com and be notified when that uh, extra exam is or extra course is posted so you can sign up for it as well. I mean, there's a lot of people chomping at the bit for it. There's people who have uh, done real well in testing for the uh, uh, technician in general and they know our study system works and they're ready to go for their extras now. So we're going to have a huge demand for that extra course as soon as it gets online. 
Yep. And I'll be one of the first ones to sign up for that one as well. So, and again, to clarify what you said as well, as long as you pass the previous test, you can take the next one. So if exactly. you go in for your technician and you fail it, that's it. You could, you, you could take the technician class again. I think you have to pay a second fee for it. But if you take the technician class and pass, they'll actually hand you the general test and say, here, take this right. because it doesn't cost you anything. And if you just happen to pass, then great. Well, if you studied for it and you did pass, great. Then they also give you, they say, congratulations. Now you're a general. Here's your extra class test. And, right. you know, I mean, I, when, I, when I went for my general class license, I was taking the test and I was, I was, you know, marking with my pencil. This one I know I got wrong. This one I know I got wrong. And I walked up there. Go, okay, I know I only got like three wrong. You know, I know three are wrong. The other ones I hope are right. And then they give me the, uh, the uh, extra class and it's 50 questions. I'm, I'm going... Yeah, there's no way. So I, you know, you do the old abacadabra you know, uh-huh. across the thing, and and you hand it back in the guy. You say, "Don't even bother." So, um, not to say it's difficult, but you, the extra class, you really, I mean, the the yeah, the extra class, you really have to really know your stuff on that one. There, there is a lot of uh, theory. Yeah, there, yeah, there's a lot and of it's theory. Fifty in questions. There. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and and it's being fifty questions, but again, having something like like ham radio prep, uh, that's why I'm looking forward to, to to taking the course you guys have because. I'm confident that if I sit down and I, and I study, you know, I take the course and I pay attention to the material that you guys have in the extra class and just even looking at your social proof, right? Looking at the number of people that you've posted that are standing there with their picture of their, you know, their certificate that says they, they passed their test. It speaks for itself. I and mean, you guys have a proven, a proven course that works and I'm ready to take the extra and I'm ready to get, uh, expand my license. And cause I know, you know, playing around with my journal license and playing around in HF, all the fun stuff is just outside the band. That's where all the DX is. So right. that that's where you really, you want to be. So I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to, uh, to, uh, to take down my R7, to, to, uh, to, to retune it for the extra part of the band on the 40 meter side and, uh, and to get on there as well. So, when uh, when you guys have that one, I'm already got my name in the hat to uh, to be notified when that extra class comes out if it hasn't come out already. So, but just to run through the sequence with you again, one more time, Chuck. So the sequence would really be: you sign up for the website training class, you take the online modules. Right again, it's a learning course. It's it's some text based, it's some some video, it's some question and answer, it's some games that you play, matching games, draw the line, those kinds of things. When you take the, the practice after each module, right, you get a test at the end of each module to solidify the fact that you've understood what it was that you just went through. This way, you know right away, if you don't understand the process, you can take that module over again until you're comfortable. But you can always take the next module, even if you aren't comfortable. At right. the end, you've got practice exams. You could take the practice exams until you consistently get an 85% on a test, which tells you that you're now ready to take the test. Then you got to look and find online where to take the test. So again, you can go to arl.org, find a, uh, an in-person VE session or V, you know, which is a volunteer examiner uh, session, or I guess an online one. Again, we talked about that before is where to find those. Once you take the test, you pass the test, you get your little certificate. Then you check the FCC website daily at this point, And, uh, you'll see if you got your license. Once you have your license on the FCC website, you can key up on that Baofeng radio all you want. As long you're as you're on your, your license, your license spectrum. So it really isn't that difficult. Yeah, there's a lot of steps in the process, but again, it's because you have to get licensed. It's different than CB where you just buy the radio and you get in the air. It's different from GMRS where you, you look through the rules and you apply for the license and you get your license right away. With damage radio, it's a little bit more uh, you're proving structured. It's, yeah. 
It's right. It's it is it's it's not professional radio where you do broadcasting. It's right. amateur radio because you're not you don't do as easy a day job, but it does have that level of expertise. And a lot of people take amateur radio and they turn it into something like I I have somebody that repairs old radios and you know that's his fun part of amateur radio and he builds old old radios time specific to the 1920s he gets on the air and and does five watts morse code and he's getting qso cars from antarctica doing that so there's a lot of really cool stuff that is at your fingertips when it comes to amateur radio and for a lot of people i get it you know it's just not your cup of tea but there's a lot of things out there too that you like that other people don't like so with that, right you know, and there's so many this, different this, there's so yeah. many different venues you can do with amateur radio i mean oh, yeah sure i mean you can talk on yeah and you touch on some of some of the digital modes and stuff but you can send tv signals uh you can yes. bounce signals off the moon i mean yep you can talk to the uh the space shuttle mm -hmm. you know the, the space station there are yep, so the many different things and i've talked to the space station twice for my vehicle i mean it just it just blows yep. your mind when you can do that and they come back with exactly. your call sign so i mean there's so many different things you can do uh, it doesn't yeah. have to be the general normal run-of-the-mill either get on hf or talk on the local repeater it's where you want to go with the hobby study study and, and learn all the different possibilities where amateur radio can go and you know a lot of scanner listeners they're familiar with you know repeaters and and listening to the two meter and 440 band perhaps mm -hmm. maybe the 220 band and and maybe even the six meter even 10 meter bands you know you you may have some experience listening to that but there are just so many different things you can do you know with amateur radio it's, it's where you want to go with it i mean what you want to make of it right dig in and, and see where the fun is right and again too it depends too on what what other hobbies you have as well like we were just saying that you and i have both bounced signals off the iss and and received ss tv or, or slow scan tv off the iss as well people like to do point to point on microwave people like to do they like to go hiking and they take their hts with them and from the mountaintops they will transmit and see how far they can talk off from from mountaintop to mountaintop or to see what they can cover on that way there are special events and there's there's uh, parks on the airs and summits on the airs being here in long island right i think i'm pretty sure we are part of the um the islands uh, registered island right so that's a, was iota or something like that right and then there's uh there's uh, the 13 colonies on on the on the fourth of july then of course you've got field day which is the big contest that a lot of people get involved with so if you like camping you can do field day because that's an all-night activity where you operate and a lot of people stay overnight and they do uh, bonfires or barbecues i know my local club here they do uh they do a huge barbecue when it comes to, to it's a big uh, social day. event yeah it's, it's a huge social event there's uh plenty of swap and shop nets there's there's involvement with emergency services there's even just being prepared with your family and getting them involved with it there's there's something for everybody and again too there's coast guard auxiliary that may have an amateur side there's the mars network and you know which is the military branch of amateur radio so there's there's definitely something with whatever it is you have in your life there is that that you are involved with there's usually a piece of it that amateur radio can can also associate with so it's always very cool to uh to see what's out there and see what you can do with it and uh again it's from the price point to get into it so you're saying and i would recommend 35 dollars take the technician and the general book them at the same time because once you get your tech you're going to want your general anyway and so you have 35 dollars for the test for the for the course that you've got there you're at 14 to 15 dollars to actually take the test and most of us have bow phones already laying around. Exactly. So 
it, that's a wash right there. So for, for 50 bucks, you get on the air, you're, you're set, you know, you're, you're good to go. So that's, I mean, do you have anything else that, that we didn't touch on yet? I think we kind of like, <laughs> I think we sold. No, I, you know, just considering <laughs> the, yeah, it's considering your, your audience is, you know, a lot of scanner listeners like, like yourself and myself in some States, there are scanner laws that specifically prohibit the use of scanners in, in, in vehicles unless you have a, an amateur radio license. So there is a real incentive for people who want to have that scanner in their vehicle in those states, such as Minnesota, I believe Michigan is another one, that prohibit the use of mobile scanners, that if you have an amateur radio license, you're exempted. You can carry that scanner in your car and say, as long as you carry a copy of your license in your car. I know if I go into Minnesota, my license is in the glove box. And if I get stopped, you know, if I have a scanner going, it's not going to be an issue. And I ha- also carry a copy of the statute, uh, which was recently updated up there in the past year or so. so. You know, just just to be sure, because, you know, the police aren't always going to know the law, but they're going to say, hey, you can't have a scanner in your vehicle. I'll say, but I'm a licensed amateur radio operator. Here's my license. And the right. law allows that. So, I mean, know, know what your local laws are. And, and if there is a prohibition in your state, getting your technician class amateur radio license is going to let you get around that. It's true. Can't you know, beat I mean, that. at least, at least here in New York too, it's a gray area that, you know, either you can, or you can't depends who right. reads the law and how you read it. And I read it a certain way that, that says no matter what you have, right. It's, it's, you, you can't get around the exemption. But again, if you have a ham radio in your car that goes out of band, that's allowed in New York state. So I could put the conventional frequencies that are used in my ham radio because it goes out of band. Right. And again, it's my ham radio. It's not a scanner. That's yeah. the way I could skirt that law. But if I actually had a ham uh, scanner radio in my car, that's up for interpretation because I've heard of troopers that have gone out to fire commissioners for having scanners in their cars as well. So sure. it's uh, it's it's definitely you know the People's Republic over here. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it depends on what the law is. Like I said, Minnesota's yep. I know specifically excludes amateur radio operators, so it's it's a no brainer in yeah. that state. Another perk, another perk to having. Exactly. And again, too, you know, it's even if you never use it to talk to somebody on it, you still got that license for it. That one time you really want to use it, you've got it in your pocket and. Yep. Uh, and it's there, and it's good for ten years. And again, you just renew it online again, and you keep it for another ten years. And the, the know, FCC doesn't charge. Yeah, the FCC does not charge for licenses at this point. The other thing is right. that they don't charge for vanity license. So if you get your call sign, you get some some alphabet soup like KT three yeah. DDZ or something. Right, Z. right. And Somebody it's like, I can't pronounce I, that. Yeah. You can get a vanity call sign for free now. You can pick a call sign. That fits the format for your class of license. So a technician can get what they consider a two by three or a one mm-hmm. by three call sign. Now the two by three is usually two letters, a number representing a, a, a radio used to represent a radio call. It doesn't matter anymore. And then three letters, uh, the suffix. The same thing with right. the um, one by three format. You have a, a W, a K, or an N, and a numeral, and then three letters after that. And you can pick you a lot. Of People pick their 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 initials. Maybe their name is Jed, so they get N2JED or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can do that. Maybe your your town name is three letters long, and you put that in the call sign. All kinds of different formats you can come up with. So you can be unique on the air rather than giving that jumble of alphabet soup that the FCC throws your way. You can trade that in, and I, and really recommend you do it as soon as you get licensed because yes. I've had my call sign N2DUP now since 
I don't know, 1982. I don't want to change it at this point. But you know what? It's, it's, yeah, it's right. not a bad exactly. call sign because, you know, I work at contest. I say, well, you're already a dupe. Ha ha. You're fine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's um, do that early on because otherwise you you create an identity with your call sign. You know, my my call sign is, is part of me, my persona as as a writer. My call sign is always after my name and anything I write about that's radio related. I can't change that now. So I, I, I'm never going to get a vanity call sign because my call sign is who I am. But if I had done that early on and actually back then they charge, I think like $50. It was, it was a crazy fee back then to get a vanity call sign. I would not have done it back then. But if I had, I may have picked something a little, little cooler perhaps than, than what I had. So by all means, if you, if you get that, that alphabet suit back from the FCC, trade it in for something that's uh, a lot cooler and, and do it right away before you get on the air and people start figuring out who you are and say, well, wait, and you'll probably get that new call sign within a couple of weeks and be ready to go. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right, Chuck, but I want to thank you again for coming on the podcast and talking about ham radio prep. And again, thanks for taking the time. It's, it's good to have you back on the podcast and it's, it's definitely good to catch up. It's been a while. You bet. I've enjoyed being here. And uh, by all means, anybody wants to check out the information again, it's ham radio prep. Dot com and we've got a bunch of articles on there to tell you about ham radio uh, different ways you can get involved with ham radio information on the online testing as well as links for um, on-site testing there's a lot of information we put on the website by all means check it out if you're thinking or considering getting licensed because it's it's a good way to go excellent and again to the magazine the magazine national communications magazine uh, it's natcommag.com nat C-O-M-M-A-G.com. Comes out every other month, and uh, we're th right there. All right. Thanks again, Chuck. You bet. Thank you again. Chuck, thank you so much for returning to the podcast. I hope we can have you back on again sometime real soon. Now, again, this podcast releases at the same time as the extra course releases on Ham Radio Prep. They actually released it, I believe, a week early, so it's still brand new over there. But I will be signing up. I definitely want to go from a general class license to an extra class, and I am confident enough in this course that I am going to sign up for it and take it. So, again, if you use our link, scannerschool.com slash ham radio prep, or even scannerschool.com slash HRP, we will earn a small fee or a small thank you, basically, for the referral. So how do we do today? Let us know at scannerschool.com slash session 147. Remember, you can go to scannerschool.com slash Zello to join our weekly Zello net. And again, I asked you in the beginning of the podcast, but I'm going to follow up right here. Please make sure you click on that subscribe button in the podcast player if you haven't done so already. We've got some great podcast episodes to finish off 2020. It's already October. we got two months to go. Hopefully, we leave everything behind us in 2020, but... We will find out January 1st. So, again, my name is Phil Lichtenberger. This is Scanner School. We teach you everything you know about the Scanner Radio hobby. We'll talk to you all again next week. 73, everyone.